Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, welcome this morning. Thank you for joining us here at Journey Church for worship today. It is good to worship God with the singing of uh, of these songs, and now it's good to worship God through his word. Uh, you get a little bit of a break from me today. I'll pause while there's sadness. There should not be clapping. I don't understand this. You are really wow, hurting my feelings right now. So, no, I'm kidding. Um, <clears throat> thank you. Um, you have a break for me today. Next week, we are going to launch our series on the Ten Commandments, where we are talking about having a biblical worldview. Uh, you want to be a part of that and uh, come and join us for that. This week, we have the wonderful, awesome privilege of having uh, Pastor Grant Clark uh, joining us to preach today. The, his message is going to be um, good for you to hear. It's going to be a challenge for you to hear today. I know talking with many people afterward that it was a real challenge with where some people are at today. Uh, Pastor Grant and his wonderful, beautiful wife, Terry. Uh, Terry, would you just stand up? I'm sorry <laughs> to do this to you. This is Terry, everybody. They are going to be joining us on staff starting in June of this year. So in a few months, they will be joining us. We have been in uh, talks with them about coming and joining us for a while. And uh, they're going to be joining. And Grant will be the connections pastor here. There's one area that I feel like we're, um, we're missing, and that is connections. It's people feeling connected to the church, connecting with one another, having that family feel. And so you'll notice that he is really good at that. I was talking with him earlier today saying that people are like Lego pieces. And so this is going to be, this. you have to go to seminary to learn truths like this, but Buckle people up. are like Lego pieces. Think about the Legos uh, that your kids had or you had or that you've stepped on in the middle of the night in the darkness. Uh, those little Lego pieces, people are like a Lego piece. You have a certain number of connectors. We're all wired differently. We're different kinds of Lego pieces. Some are the little two-part Lego piece that you can have about two relationships maximum. You can have friendships, but you have two deep relationships. Then there are people that are the four-piece. Others are eight-piece. Grant is a giant sheet of 84-piece uh, Lego <laughs> connectors, and you're going to notice that about <laughs> him because he will just connect with you, love on you, and he will... Uh, um, encourage you and you will know him and he will probably just walk up and give you a hug because that's yeah. the kind of person he is. I'm Sorry. not that person. I'm, I, I don't mind hugs, but I'm not a hugger uh, per se, but he is. He will come up and just love on you. I have known Grant for several years, uh, probably about 20, 20 years yeah. that we have known yeah. each other um, yeah. and uh, seen incredible things uh, happen through his life and through the ministry of his, of his life. I have joked with him many times in the past. Uh, I've asked him many times, Grant, why don't you just move here? They live mm -hmm. in Salt Lake City now. Uh, ministering in that community. Uh, why don't you just move here to Gillette, come home to Gillette where you used to live, and just be on staff with us at the church. And he's always, you know, laughed at that and uh, just kind of waved that off. And um, 
we had a chance encounter of God. Uh, on August 27th, we were both flying up to Gillette. We were in Denver, uh, met up in the airport there, flying both on the flight to Gillette. He was a few rows back of me, but there was nobody seated next to me. Grant moved up, and we talked for the entire flight about ministry. Uh, just a, a little bit later, I sent him a text saying, Grant, what would you think about coming on staff? I've really been praying about this, and I'm really serious about this. And for the first time, he actually yeah. listened to God. He actually listened <laughs> to what God was saying. Yeah. Yeah. He had been not or, listening uh, to God for months yeah. and years before yeah. that. Yeah. But he actually took That's it seriously, it. began to pray about it, and uh, came for a yeah. visit in October of this past year. Yeah. And we extended a call to him to come and join us uh, as uh, staff members. And we are so grateful so thankful to have Terry joining us and Grant as well, uh, but mostly Terry no uh, pressure, joining right? us. No pressure. He's got a wonderful message for you today, and so I would just pray that you just pay attention and listen to what God is speaking to your heart. So Grant, hmm. we love you. We're so glad to have you here. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not going to hug you. Oh, you're not going to hug me. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's pray. God, we just sang it. God, wake us up. If we've been slumbering, if we've been sleeping, if we've been um, unplugged, if you will, from you, wake us up, awaken our hearts, awaken this city. May your name be famous in your churches here. May your name be famous in this church. May your name be famous in this city. May your name be famous in the world. Um, so wake us up, God. Um, Speak to our hearts today, not just words shared from a pulpit, God, but words from your truth, words from you. Show us what you have for us today. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, like he shared, I'm Grant Clark. Um, we lived here for many years back in the day. Um, lived here for 13 years, actually. Um, left in 2007. And uh, now we're coming back home 20 years later. Um, will you put that picture up for me, bud? Thank you. Okay, so there's Grant and Terry, Morgan and Emily to the right. Um, Morgan actually graduated high school here back in the day. Nathan moved with us to Cheyenne in junior high, um, graduated from Cheyenne. Both of their wives, uh, born and raised, um, well, grew up in Cheyenne, I should say. Um, and then when Terry and I moved to Salt Lake back in 15, um, we always had foster and adoption kind of on our, well, not kind of on our hearts, on our hearts. And um, yeah, shortly after moving to Salt Lake, we uh, felt God lay uh, foster care heavy on our hearts. And, and I say this jokingly, but seriously, we made the phone call to Utah Foster Care before we could talk ourselves out of it, right? So meet to the left, Hector, who's now 12, JC in the middle, he's eight, and Blaze is 11. They all are brothers. Uh, they were removed from their birth mother six years ago. We were their second placement, and almost exactly a year after that, we adopted them. So uh, pray Pray for us, yes, but specifically, I can talk about them more now because they're not sitting here because they don't like when I talk about them because it embarrasses them, but so they're back in kids' church. Pray for their hearts. They've already been through so much, right? Um, 
you get kids out of foster care, they don't come with an empty backpack, right? So they've been through a lot of stuff in their life, and, and here we go again. Um, so we're excited for, for them to be loved on by you. We're excited for them to be plugged in here, and we're excited for what the opportunities are in front of them moving back to Gillette. They're unsure, apprehensive, of course. A normal, if you will, normal 12-year-old would be that way. Um, so just pray for their hearts. Um, we, we want you to embrace them, and we want them to embrace you. So that would be my specific prayer if you ever think about praying for us. So part of my story, part of our story, part of why is this, this is coming back home, if you will, Terry and I and our oldest two boys were all saved in Gillette. Um, so this is our coming back to our salvation place journey. Personally, I was saved January 5th of 2002. So if you do the math, that was 20 years and one month ago today, or this month, right? So 20 years later, here I am, standing here in front of all of you. And some of you, I know, are here that prayed for that day. You prayed for me, so now I get to bless you. So thank you. Um, so my, my goal today is to encourage us all, to give us all hope, but also challenge us a little bit. Maybe not like you need to suck it up because you haven't been, but maybe just a, little, a friendly reminder of, of what we're called to do and what we have um, and, to, and to not grow weary in doing, doing good works. And also, I guess what I'll call a healthy self-evaluation of where we find ourselves personally in our faith walk, right? Where we find ourselves, but where we find ourselves individually. So my first point, pretty, pretty simple. Just show up. Now, obviously, it's like preaching to the choir because you're here, so you showed up, Right? But we need, be, we, we need to be reminded of the value of this. This matters because we matter, right? But mostly the body, the body of Christ matters because Jesus matters, right? So just show up. Years ago, years ago, a pastor friend of mine recommended a book that I read by Charles Swindoll um, about spiritual disciplines, um, and in his book, he quotes his friend, Ron Ritchie. Probably never heard of Ron Ritchie. I never had. And Charles talks about this quote that he got from this life quote he got from, Charles, from his friend, Ron. And it's this. Three quarters of a ministry is just showing up. So, and that really struck me back in the day. I've really tried to live by that. Yes, there's stewardship, and yes, there's discipline, and yes, there's training, and yes, there's teaching, and yes, there's faithfulness, and yes, all of those attributes, absolutely, but none of them mean squat if you don't show up. You don't know what God's going to do. You, don't, you never know. How many times, man, I don't, I, I'm so glad I showed up today but here, because here's what God did, because I showed up. So just Show up. Just be here. Just be present. Um, love Romans. Love the book of Romans. Love, you know, obviously many times Romans 12 is, is preached, is quoted. Um, and today we're doing it. So Romans 12, 9 through 16. I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation for this. Don't just pretend to love others. 
really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in your confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to, has, to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those that are happy and weep with those that, are, that weep. Live in harmony with each other and don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. I love that part. Don't think you know it all, because guess what? You don't. Several times in these, these, along these passages, Paul says that. Don't think more highly of yourself than you should. A healthy evaluation of yourself. Don't think you know it all. But I love the don't pretend to love people. Really love them. Don't be afraid to love people. Don't be afraid. Laugh with those that laugh and weep with those that weep. Just show up. You don't have to have the golden ticket answer. In fact, you don't have to have any of the answers. Sometimes you just need to show up and have the gift of shut up and listen, right? Just let people share. Now, if God prompts you to say something, absolutely. But most of the time, just be there. Just show up. Point number two, bring what you have. Bring what you have. Whatever gifts God has given you, bring it. It matters. You matter. Your your God-given gifts matter. He's the one that gave it to you anyway, right? It's not your gifts. It's the gifts that God has given you. Bring them. Again, Romans 12. Starting in verse 4. So just ahead of that, what I just read. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have, have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love each other. Really love each other. You might be saying, I don't have anything to offer. It's not true. It's just not true. I know you do. Because I know, I know the one who gave you the gift. So whatever gift you have, just bring it. So one of my favorite uh, stories along this line, if you will, um, John chapter 6. Okay, we've, uh, Gospel of John chapter 6. 
Um, it's the, for, most of us are familiar with the story. It's where Jesus feeds the 5,000, right? So Jesus is preaching. Jesus is teaching. This horde of people are following him. It says 5,000 men. So we really don't know how many people were actually there. A lot, right? And um, during, you know, halfway through the day, if you will, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, we need to feed these people. And I love their response because they're like, whatever, right? So the visual I have is let's say half of Gillette is following Jesus and, and we're out on this hillside, just a horde of people, right? I can't even visualize how many people that would be. And I'm one of, you know, his followers and he turns to me and is like, we need to feed these people. I'm like, well, let me go rent a semi and run to Walmart. I'll be right back, right? Give me a few hours, right? I mean, because logically that makes no sense. How are we going to feed this many people? And I love this part of this story. Verse 8. One of his disciples, one of Jesus' disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, looks at Jesus and says, Well, there is a, a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what, is, what good is that with so many people? You can almost hear it like, well, there's this cute little boy with this cute little lunch, but look around, Jesus. And I love Jesus' response. He's like, tell everybody to sit down. That's it, right? So we all know the miracle. He takes the, the five and the two, and he feeds the 5,000, and there's even some left over. What's my point today? Be the little boy. We have no idea, earthly possessions, how much that boy had. Maybe the clothes on his back and his lunch, and that might be all he owned. And he freely gave it. So be the little boy. Whatever it is God has given you, whatever it is, insignificant in your eyes or otherwise, be that boy and just give it over to Jesus and let him Steward it. Be the little boy. Bring what you have. Offer it up because he gave it to you anyway. Take a risk. Be willing to take a risk. Number three, take a risk. So, like many of us, I love the Chronicles of Narnia books and movies. Um... And there's a famous line in one of the movies, um, and beautiful line. And in the movie, anyway, two of the characters are looking out at Aslan as Aslan is walking away, and Aslan is the lion who is the Christ character in the movie, right? And one of the, I think it's the, one of the little girls asks, actually, looking at Aslan, is he safe? And the answer is no. He's not safe, but he's good. And I love that. He's not safe, but he's good. God is good, right? And so my question to me and my question to us, to us is this. If I ask you today, describe to me your faith walk. Describe to me where you find yourself today, your walk with Jesus would you use the word safe or would you use the word 
risk. Take a risk. Well, yeah, but what if I, you might. I got hurt once and I, it sound, feels really, it is. It is. I may, lay, I, I'm going to let you down someday. Right? Because I'm human, right? It might happen. But it might not. Take the risk anyway. The best place to be is right in the middle of God's will. Notice I didn't say the safest place to be. Well, anybody, don't raise your hand if you've heard this. I've heard this. I've even said this before. The safest place to be is right in the middle of God's will. And that's true. Spiritually. Right? Maybe not physically, though. Maybe not physically. We, 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 we Terry and I support some um, missionaries up in Canada, in the far reaches of Canada. Their, their story is crazy. It's amazing. It's so obvious they've been called there. Safe is not a word in their support letter. Risk absolutely is. Now, they know that they're in God's hand, and they know they're safe in God's kingdom. But physically, safe is not in the vocabulary. They've been assaulted. They've been threatened. And I, I can't share a lot because I don't have even permission to share that much. But safe is not in the vocabulary. So what about us? We all most likely have had jobs throughout years, right? We work for corporate America. That's not, that's fine. That's nothing wrong with that. Many of our, many of us have industry jobs, right? Safety first, safety first, safety training, safety training. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's very important, right? But my question today is, has that safety first mentality bled into our walk with Jesus? If your walk with Jesus is safety first, no matter what, might want to re rethink that one. I'm talking to myself too. If my view of my walk with Jesus is, well, if it's safe, then I will fill in the blank. Perhaps one of you in here today, God's been talking to you about taking a risk. And perhaps this is your like, buckle up, here we go. A lot of us are parents in here, right? And we have kids, right? And we buy our kids a bike. Wear your helmet. Get in the car. Buckle up. Safety. You know, look both ways. You know, come home before dark. All that, right? That's good. We should keep our kids safe when it comes to those things. But has that bled into how we lead them spiritually? Has that bled into how we lead them when it looks like, when it, what it looks like to follow Jesus? Is it safety first? Or is it, this is crazy, God, but here we go. Show your kids what it's like to take a risk for Jesus, because it's worth it. Hebrews chapter 11, I won't read it. Here's your homework. Hebrews chapter 11, Awesome chapter of the Bible, right? The faith chapter, the great hall of faith, it's been called many things. The very end of chapter 11, the nondescript people are mentioned also. They're called, in my version anyway, they're called the others. Others were persecuted. 
others were sawed in half. Others were, you know, et cetera, so on and so forth, right? Probably didn't feel safe in the moment, did it? Not physically anyway. But if they knew and they, that they were right in the middle of God's will, they're good. Take a risk. Be willing to take a risk. Number four, be willing to share. So in my personal devotional time, I've been encamped in 2 Timothy for a long time in a good way. 2 Timothy is very rich. And much of 2 Timothy, a lot of us probably know by heart, right? There's a lot of, lot of meat in 2 Timothy. And I'll share a few of them that we've, I'm sure you've heard before. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control, right? You probably heard that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, very, another very powerful, powerful passage. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Again, awesome, awesome Awesome truth. But there's a thread that runs through 2 Timothy that I've never noticed before until just recently. And I just, like, it just got a hold of me and it won't let me go. There's a thread that runs through 2 Timothy six times, at least in this version, six times in 2 Timothy, Paul mentions suffering. Now, I know that's not a popular word. That's not a, like, feel-good word. But I don't know what, I don't pretend to understand all that Tim, Paul was getting Timothy ready for here. But one of the themes of 2 Timothy is suffering. So, so here's the question. Do we look at that? Do we look at suffering as one of God's good gifts? God's, one of God's good gifts is suffering. Do we look at, do we look at it that way? Well, probably not, right? And I understand, I do, I understand. So, back in Acts, Jesus has gone back to heaven. The, the apostles are out preaching the name of Jesus, um, salvation by Jesus alone. In chapter 5, they're speaking about Jesus. They get arrested, they get told not to, they do it again. They get arrested. This time they get arrested. They get in more trouble, if you will. They're beaten and warned again. Do not speak the name of Jesus and, and let go again. Verse 41 says this. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that were, they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. Rejoicing in the suffering. Most of us have been through something suffering-wise, right? I get it. Most of us, you know, say God was going to show up and say, okay, you're about to go through this, but at the end you're going to see this, but I'll be with you. Will you are you in? Most of us are like, no, I'm good. 
right? But having gone through the suffering, right, at the end of the suffering, looking back, you're like, wow, God was so evident in it. And even in my suffering, maybe sometimes I missed it through the pain, but looking back, he was there the whole time. And look what I've learned because of it that I never would have signed up for on the front end. No way, right? But on the tail end, look what I learned. So 2 Timothy 2.2, again, a very popular verse and rightfully so. Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, like I've taught you, teach other capable men. And not just that, teach them to teach other capable men. So it's, it's often referred to as the discipleship verse, if you will. Timothy, I've taught you, Paul says, now go teach other people. And not just teach them, but to teach them to teach other people. And it's an awesome passage, and it's a beautiful picture of, of, of small groups, of life groups, of discipleship groups. And rightfully so. The very next words, share in suffering. Share in suffering. And that's the, that's the part that won't let me alone. That let me alone. That's the part that, that grabbed my heart. Is do we do that? Do we share in each other's sufferings? Not just suffering for the sake of suffering, but do we share? Are, do we let other people share with our sufferings? And do we share our sufferings with other people? Because that's what the body's for. That's what we're for. So again, not just suffering for suffering's sake, but suffering for what it produces or is producing. That's part of Aaron and I's story, right? Sharing in the suffering. We've both been through a little bit of stuff, right? This couple, right? And, and not in a, you know, commiserating, feel bad for me, I feel bad for you thing, but, but, but sharing like, this is part of my story. This is part of my confusion. Help me. I need to see this clearly. Please help. Share this with me. Now, I would have never given it this language, our friendship, until this, right? But that's really what it's been for 20 years, is being, being able and willing to share in each other's sufferings. But not just suffering, victory too, Victory, like this church just celebrated baptism, right? Just a few weeks ago, right? I'm bummed I missed it, but what a beautiful version, what a beautiful vision, if you will, of sharing victory, sharing in the victory. Sharing each other's victories too, sharing each other's celebrations, you know, right? Laugh with those that laugh and weep with those that weep. So personally, I got to share launch Sunday with you guys. Eight years ago when this crazy church called Journey Church launched in the fire training center, we were living in China at the time when we came up. Why? To share. To share with these people in this victory moment. Because they were portable church. And I know that's a lot of work because I've done it. So I wanted to share with that part too. Right? So we've shared some victories too. One of the times... Aaron had me come up and preach is when this building was on the radar, if you will, and I stood out there in the hallway, my wife and I, with a couple of 
people from this church and we stood in the dust and the muck and the mire and the cords and the panels or whatever and prayed about this building. Like, okay, God, if, if what, you know, you want to talk about taking a risk, right? You want to talk about jumping in the deep end of the pool. That day, there's no way I saw this day. And not just me standing here, but this day, right? There's no way I saw this, this day, but God did. So be willing to share in each other's suffering. And again, not, not just suffering for suffering's sake, right? So hopefully today you haven't heard like a, you know, suck it up, suck it up, perform, 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 do, do, do kind of sermon. Hopefully that's not what you've heard because that's not my heart. It's really not. I just want you to love Jesus and follow him, whatever that means. Love Jesus. Follow him wholeheartedly. However I can help, I'll be your biggest cheerleader. It's not performance-based love, people. It's not. That's not how God loves us. God doesn't love us based on our performance. So what does suffering produce? Suffering produces hope. Romans 5.3, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So if you're suffering, whatever it is, there's hope. Just hang on. There's hope. You might not be able to see it in the storm. I get it. But it's there because he's with you. So First Peter, Jesus speaking of, or Peter speaking of Jesus, that's one of the attributes he gives him in First Peter is Jesus is our living hope. We sang about it today, right? Jesus is. So even when there, we feel hopeless, Jesus is our living hope. Jesus tells us in John 16, in this world you will have, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Right? So in this world you might suffer. In this world, there's other people, and there's challenges, and you're going to suffer but take heart. I have overcome the world. So I'm going to invite the band back up. And as, as they come up, just going to remind you, just show up. Keep showing up. Please just bring what you have because it matters. Be willing to take a risk. Be willing to take a God-sized risk. There's no, you know, there's certain things that happen that just like, well, it's got to be God. Be willing and be willing to share. So today, instead of just 
I shouldn't say instead of just, instead of praying and closing that way, I'm actually going to stand here. Well, I'm going to move over here, actually, because I'm in his way. Go ahead. I'm going to share. I'm going to pray over you, read over you some of God's promises out of his word. Some of the, the hope we have in Christ. Second Timothy 2, 8 and 9. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, as preached in the gospel, for which I am suffering. I am bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. The gospel is not bound. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, how great are God's riches in wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. Back to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation for we have a priceless inheritance. People, it is worth it because he is worth it. Are you willing? Hey, thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com, and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.